Welcome to the official podcast of Trout Porn Nation, your source for the best in fly fishing trout media from around the globe. Support for this podcast comes from 5280 Angler. 5280 Angler is your premier guide for walk and wade trips on the front range. They are passionate about service and wild about fish. For more info, go to 5280angler.com. Long live Trout Porn Nation. Okay, so here we are, Trout Porn Podcast, coming to you from the fly fishing show in a balmy Denver. And I have John Malovich on as our guest. And John is the, uh, what is it, the Fly Products Western Manager for Pure Fishing. That's correct. How are you, man? Doing good, Steve. Yourself? Not too bad. Good. Yeah, we're uh, we're enjoying this tropical uh, weather here in Denver. Getting ready for the fly fishing show. Uh, by tropical, I mean uh, snowy and freezing. The roads are a mess, but uh, should be good tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday for the folks to come out and get a chance to see all things fly fishing. Yeah, get out here, man. I've been uh, I've been walking around for 15 minutes, and there is a lot of stuff here. A lot of stuff. Rods. I mean, it, it, obviously, you know. Everything everything you can imagine is here. Yeah, if there's somebody that's looking for anything fly fishing, this is the venue in the state of Colorado to come and check it out. Chance for you to, those of you that may have some idols or folks that you aspire to, to meet or to be, um, all the celebrities from all the different brands and all the different walks of life are here. Uh, from your Lefty Craze to your Simon Gosworth uh, to your Courtney uh, Despas. So... There's, there's all sorts of great folks here to see and learn from, and there's some great seminars going on, so come on down. Nice, man. I like it. Well, hell, let's dive, uh, let's dive right into this. I know we were talking about maybe getting into some information and how-to, but we talked a little bit, and let's just dive right into what, uh, what products you manage, because I know we, were, yeah. we just got in a good discussion about one of them, but let's, let's talk about that, and then kind of dive in depth on each of them because i know i know there's a lot of newer stuff in in all these older brands that people might not know about sure absolutely it give you a little bit of back history um party is the is the principal brand which has kind of brought us to this point today um was established in 1872 and started working for hardy north america 10 years ago as just a single brand or at that time it was hardy and gray's and uh, Gray's was a, a medium to low end price point um, series of products that uh, we did have in the U.S. for four or five years. But uh, as we evolved and we were purchased by a larger fishing products company that's not openly known necessarily by the public, it's called Pure Fishing, um, they manage and manufacture 17 brands in the fishing world. So from Holy spinning cow. and bait casting to uh, everybody's favorite uh you know, backyard pond product, power bait, um, they own and, and produce and, and sell those products. In that group of products, they had um, three brands that are synonymous with fly fishing, especially in years past. You had Hodgman, which was a lot of people's first pair of waders and boots. They had Fluger, which was a lot of folks' first reel with a Fluger medalist. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you had Fenwick, and Fenwick was really... It was the start to American fly fishing in a lot of ways as far as modern graphite and fiberglass rods go. And in fact, the uh, one of the original Fenwick factories is now where Farbank or Sage manufactures their rods. So 
that family and those folks that were pivotal to launching Fenwick um, also have ties to Sage and, and Reddington where they sit today. So um, a neat group of products. And so when Pure Fishing purchased Hardy, their intent was is to have an anchor brand, an anchor product line that could help to revitalize and relaunch these other three brands into the fly fishing market for the consumers. And so by purchasing Hardy and bringing on the sales and management staff um, over the last three years, this will be the fourth season, uh, we've done a great job and had a great opportunity to really bring back some neat classic tackle that uh, brings back some nostalgia but also brings forward some really cool innovative performance aspects also. Yeah, I was reading, um, I mean, first, I mean, my first pair of, of boots was a Hodgman pair. And I think my second reel was actually a medalist. Yeah. And, I mean, I beat the hell out of that thing everywhere. It was, I mean, it was on the bottom of lakes, and I got it back out, and it ran perfectly. Yeah, I mean. You know? it, I mean, it did everything I wanted it to do for a, for a reel. I mean, they were bulletproof. Yeah, and, and they're very blue-collar brands. I mean, they're working man's brands. Like I said, they've been around, um, some of them for over 100 years. And so reintroducing some of those brands and some of those new those new slash retro products has really been what's kind of helped to put those companies back on the map in the mind of fly anglers um, while still maintaining the market share they have with the general tackle anglers, the guys that are spin fishing and casting and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's been really great. A couple of those key points or products that we brought out and launched um, just a couple years back now has been the, the Fen Glass so Fenwick's heralded uh, fiberglass rods um, that we've relaunched with a modern f uh, fiberglass material that uh, still have a very retro look and feel, and those have done phenomenally. Um, on top of that, with, with Fluger, we talked about the Metalist. We've relaunched a Metalist that, where they used to be kind of made out of a cast aluminum, and they had the ability to kind of dent and ding and bend and break. We've now reintroduced that Metalist with an updated uh, spring and pawl uh, drag system and then also manufactured out of bar stock um, aircraft grade aluminum and they're hard anodized so the durability has gone way up without losing the classic look and feel of what they were so it's been it's been really cool to see and of course with the the marketplace the way it is guys like to go back to that fiberglass look and feel guys like to put a classic looking reel on a classic rod um, and then they're all very affordable. So they sit at, at times at a half to even a third of the price of some of the other rods and reels that are out there in the marketplace. Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the metalists are only, what, kind of 130 to 150-ish, depending on the yeah, size? Yeah, one. I think they top out at 199 for the spray okay. reels. You know, the yeah, larger. That's, yeah that's, a big, that's a big, big reel. Yeah, so they're uh, super affordable. And uh, they're actually widely available, so not only just at fly shops, but you can find them at some of your crossover general sporting goods. Okay. So your your Shields, your Cabela's, places like that also. Gander Mountain Gander type Mountain, stuff. Gander Mountain, yeah. And then, like, locally in the Denver area, you go to Jack's. You okay. Know, you could find them in Jack's in, in uh, kind of the Fort Collins, uh, Denver region also that way. Okay. Yeah, I love, I mean, I loved everything about that. Mine, mine had a dent on the cassette. So get to get to one spot reeling and then it, yeah, you had to hammer it out yep, and then yep. it, hammer it I mean, out and try were, to get it to work. You were good to go, and you know, and uh, like you were saying, the fen glass. I've never fished one, 
I think I've been around a Fenwick fly rod. I mean, like way back, like when I was young, my grandpa had a Fenwick. Yeah. You know, and my my dad had like a Shakespeare, or Abu Garcia, or one of you know one of those old generation fly rods, like you're talking. And then and that's kind of what I grew up on was the older stuff. And you know, then you progress away from it, and you're like, oh, well, I don't want to fishing. Yeah, stuff I mean, anymore. and not everybody has the ability financially to hand their kid or their buddy or their girlfriend or whoever it is that's starting out, you know, a thousand dollar setup. And so to hand them a, you know, a fiberglass rod, which is a very durable material to use for a rod anyways, and a, a, you know, a hundred dollar, hundred fifty dollar reel, you're not as concerned about them dropping it, banging it, losing it, breaking it yeah, because exactly. the replacement cost is minimal. So yeah, a lot of folks have started out with Fenwick and Fluger as, as starting products. And then the Hodgman side, um, we had a few years, the company with, with Hodgman had a few years of departure where they were selling it through more of a general sporting goods market. There was more hunt and fish combo aspect to it with camo and things like that. But uh, we've now relaunched the brand and the new high-end breathable products, um, specifically with Hodgman, to the, the specialty market. So it's directly marketed and designed for serious fly anglers. Okay. So you can get a, a, a you know a three, a four, a five, or a six-layer heavy-duty, waterproof, breathable wader that starts out at a, at a $99 price point and tops out at, at $399. And at $399, we have all the features of the most high-end waders you can imagine in the market okay. by some of our competitors. So really, you get a lot of bang for a lot of buck. And the durability, the breathability, and the features per dollar are better than anybody else out there right now. Yeah, I know that's that's one of the hardest things. Because, I mean, I've, you know, I've got my waders, and I know exactly how much I paid for them. And, you know, like... You get to the point where you want to buy, like you're saying, your wife or your kids, waiters, but you don't necessarily want to go and drop 700 on the best waiters. Yeah, and, and you know and that's that's one thing we we fight about, and I think everybody does as fly fishers is, hey, do we really need to go and spend seven eight hundred bucks on waiters? And, and the reality of of waiters and, and wading boots that I think the fishing public kind of forgets. They are an integral part, especially cold water fisheries, but they're also something that should be replaced. Yeah. And and most of us, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you are. I know a lot of my buddies are of wearing waders for six, eight, nine, ten years, and you're patching leaks and patching holes and pat. Yep. At the end of the day, your waders really three years, and you should be looking for new ones because the the pores of the breathable membrane are getting clogged with dirt and grime and. Uh, you know, perspirations collecting, right. and so if if a waiter's seven hundred dollars, it's hard to to foot that bill every couple two three years, and uh, with a waiter that sits at two hundred and fifty bucks every three years to replace it or buy a backup set is a lot easier to do, and you're not sacrificing quality or performance at that point. Yeah, no, that's and that's a great point, man. I mean, you're looking at. What, 80, 85 bucks roughly a year? Yep. You know, as yep. opposed to more than 100? Yeah, and if, and if you were to go to most fly shops and rent a pair of waders, it's going to cost you anywhere, depending on if they have the bottom ball, you know, ball waiter, or if they go all the way up to the top Sims and Patagonia waders, it's going to run you 25 bucks a day or 50 bucks a day, depending on the waiter. And so if you make that investment, like you said, 50, 60 bucks a year, put into that Hodgman waiter, you could replace that every couple, two, three years and never spend more than, you know, than you needed to. 
So we're, we're excited about it. Also in the Hodgman line this year, we, we launched a, a women's waiter. It's our H4 series. And it actually won best, best women's product and waiter at the International Flight Tackle Dealer Show in Orlando, Florida this past summer as a new product release for 2017. So we're pretty pumped about that. We're excited about it. We had some, some great lady anglers involved in testing and developing and designing that product. So women of all different walks of life, sizes, fits, you, you name it. And uh, so we're very proud to receive that award. Nice. That's awesome, man. And then um, I know you were talking boots. Are you guys you guys have some new boots coming out here? Shortly we do. Also, don't we you? do actually. Yeah, and we won um, in the European equivalent of the Fly Tackle Dealer Show. We won Best of Show for all products in the fishing. Nice uh, for our new boot. And uh, the series of boots is called the H Lock boot. And there's three models within the H Lock. You have the H5, the Vion, and the Asus boot. And what sets an H-Lock apart from all other boots is that they come standard with two sets of soles, and they have a twist-lock system that has three points of contact that lock into the midsole frame of the boot to the sole. So there's no straps to break. There's no way that you can clog them with mud, with sand, with silt, or gravel because they're set up to self-flush and the way they sit there's a gap that will allow for that to happen and allow for the locking mechanism and those three points of contact to be able to lock in simple to rotate take off single hand removal um and just a just a really cool boot there's some other companies out there that have some removable soles what we feel is we've done is we've overcome the issues the problems that consumers have found with those products Mm -hmm. and we've addressed those in this h-lock system and just being able to twist that sole on and off and switch out from a studded to a felt to a rubber to a rubber studded, felt studded, depending on the fishery if you're allowed to use felt or not. Right. Or in the case of winter fishing, you know, you have ice build up and slick, you know, slick terrain. Um, this gives you that option to not have to go out and buy a separate boot right. to accommodate different waterways or different situations based on weather. So it's just, it's just killer. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, I know one thing that kills people out here out west is, you know, they're going to go, they're going to float, but typically, you know, you go on a float, you're going to get out. Yeah. And when you get out, you want your studded boots. But when you're in the boat, you tip, you, I mean, you, you really don't want to have studded boots and something yeah, else. Yeah. A, a lot of guides, you know, hate the idea of studs in the boot because it beats up the floor and the gel coat of the boat. So a lot of them are putting, you know, mats and rugs and different things in there to try to accommodate yeah. their their clients and in this particular case if if you need to you could swap those out in a matter take of two your, minutes take of, your souls with you yeah yep they're in and out and and again for a lot of flying lures they're they're travelers they're venturers they're going place to place this also from the standpoint of invasive species allows you to thoroughly clean the sole of a boot you can change it out you go to some place that that you're not allowed to fish with felt yeah you can just take your felt right off and the boots can come depending on the dealer and how they order them they can come with a standard rubber and a standard felt so if you wanted to pick up the accessories to have a studded felt or a studded rubber those are available as an accessory at the shops okay now is that a is that a specialty accessory just for for uh Hodgman, or can you go yeah. out and get like goat heads or? No, there's it's not okay. an add-in spike system. They actually, we actually have um, the soles all the cart 
but specifically okay. for that H-Lock series of boots. And frankly, um, if you go out and look at the cost of a, a set of Sim studs or goat head sole studs or whatever, and you compare it to a set of new soles for the H-Lock, it's actually the, almost the same price huh. to buy a pair of soles than it is to turn around and buy a set of studs. Okay. So, again, very, very friendly to the consumer. Yeah. Yeah, and I think anymore a lot of people are looking for stuff that's going to be more more uh, cost-effective on their end Yeah. as opposed to having three sets of boots, you know. I've got a felt set, I've got a rubber set, and I've got a rubber studded set. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be it'd be nice to really just have one pair of boots, three sets of soles. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of you know in the fly fishing world, we we kind of consider five weights or six weights to be kind of the universal standard yep. of light efficient. A lot of different places and a lot of different situations. So a nine foot five weight or a nine foot six weight is the way to go. This is kind of the nine five or nine six weight boot, if you will. It has the ability to adapt to whatever situation you're in. Somebody could even wear them in the flats if they wanted to, or the salt water and uh, go to a felt sole or a rubber sole depending on whether you got slick mud flats or soft sand flats okay. and still have that protection from stingray and from coral and stuff like that. Nice. Hell, man. Hodgman's got it going on then. Yeah, yeah. Rocking out with Hodgman. Um, a lot of great things to, to take a look at. If, uh, if your local dealer doesn't carry it, you can't find it uh, locally, um, you can go to Hodgman.com, dealer locator, and... Uh, Put some inquiries into the the web and find out where you can pick them up. Nice. So, let's get into let's get into the fly rods because yeah, everybody absolutely. loves fly rods and everybody's gonna fish their one brand they love. And I, I mean, I'm equally as guilty of that I'm I've been a sage guy forever and that's what I fish. So yeah. Well, let me put my heavy rimmed glasses on. Let me put my pocket <laughs> protector in, and let me slick back my hair to get uh, into that nerd mode because this is this is probably besides fly tying, this is one of the most nerded out aspects of fly fishing, and this is also one of those spots where it can be very intimidating for the average person getting into the sport, and sometimes even someone who's had a lot of time fishing, but they're looking to expand their their arsenal of rods or their quiver. And they just want to make sure that they're getting into the right product for what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the toughest things. I mean, I, I think I spent probably two or three months picking out my last rod, which was a seven weight. And just, I mean, obviously I was testing, you know, I was testing Sage. And I looked at Scott's and I looked at this, that, and the other. And I, I mean, I finally ended up on a Sage and it, you know, it, it does what I want. And that's kind of how I make my, my choice anyway. Yeah, and, and buying a fly rod is a lot like buying a car or a pair of shoes. Um, a lot of it is personal preference. So there's a lot of good information out there. Every company puts out great information on their websites, great catalogs, great uh, flyers and sheets and whatever. But on top of that, then you've got staff at all these fly shops that are fairly, very well, not fairly, but very well educated as to the brands that they carry and why they carry them and what they like themselves. So don't be afraid to ask questions when it comes to fly rods. And I would say the most important thing you can do when you're buying a fly rod, once you've determined what length or what line weight you want to use, is go out and cast it. Cast a bunch of different rods side by side. Use similar lines. If you can take a, a reel that's spooled up with, with one line and pass it through the series of rods that you're looking at from different manufacturers, that way when you get on the, on the stream side or on the lake shore, you're going to be happy and comfortable with the rod that you have in your hand. So 
Um, as much as I'd love for everybody to buy a Hardy rod or a Fenwick rod, I do understand that casting strokes and preferences and strength and all of that kind of stuff all help to determine an angler's choice of what they what they want to fish. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, do you okay? Do you guys have do you have a new model out this year in Hardy? We do. We have a couple new models. We have uh, two key models that carry forward in the Hardy line are the Zephyrus and then the Wraith. And the Zephyrus is going to be a medium to medium fast action rod. It has our Centrix material, which is a silicon nano particulate that's built into the rod blank itself prior to rolling and, and, and baking the, the, the rod. Um, and then the Wraith has then a higher parts per million graphite mixed with that Centrix material. Um, is, a, is a lighter rod. It's about 10 to 15% lighter than the, the Zephyrus even is. And, uh, and it's a faster action rod. It's definitely for an aggressive angling style or a very accomplished caster, somebody who is looking for um, that top end, high end rod that they can pretty much use for everything that they've got in their arsenal. And uh, we do make it in limited line weight and length ranges because it is such a high end specialized rod. But uh, that rod's been killing it. And uh, I know a few folks on, on your guys' staff have fished it and, and really enjoyed it. Um, it's become kind of my go-to rod, especially chucking heavy bugs when you're throwing streamers or, mm-hmm. or in cases where you've got real spooky water and you've got to throw long casts and dry flies and still be delicate. It's been, it's been great that way. But those two rods are kind of the, uh, the next generation of the Centrix material, which was introduced and kind of revolutionized the fly fishing or fly rod market um, going back about eight years now with the Zenith. And Zenith was our flagship Centrix material rod um, got a lot of press, got yeah. a lot of accolades. Was chosen as the uh, the number one five weight rod out of all brands compared um, by a few different magazines. But also on top of that, through the uh, the five weight shootout, which has become somewhat famous through the Yellowstone Angler and what yep. they do. So that's that's where it all kind of started. And do you okay? So is the Zenith? Is that the one you guys did in the one piece? Yeah, we did the Zenith originally in a single-piece trout rod and a single-piece um, saltwater rod. And, again, same thing. It became kind of the guide's choice for the guys fishing the Keys, um, the guys down in Louisiana for redfish. Of course, uh, a bunch of the Bahamian lodges and the Belician lodges were big on it, and they brought that in as their kind of their in-house rod. Yeah, they love that one-piece stuff for the salt, man. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, if you look back in the history of Hardy, we originally made one-piece rods out of um, what we called our, our uh, well, our, our bamboo rods. We, we made some single-piece bamboo and then uh, and then had other predecessors to that in one piece. So Hardy, in the history of its existence since 1872, has kind of almost done everything that fly fishing has today at one point or another. And uh, so... That being said, the one piece was a natural for us. Um, we were able to shorten those rods to an eight foot ten configuration. That was strictly done because of the ability to ship it or even fly it in the bottom of an airplane yeah. as checked luggage. So, um, but it's been a it's been a great thing. Now with Zephyrus, we did the one piece in the salt water, okay. but we didn't do it in the trout series of rods just because of we felt like we we filled that market, we filled that niche with the Zenith, and after that point 
a lot of our competitors jumped in on the one piece program right and built a bunch of trout rods and saltwater rods to compete and compare so um we took our focus and just placed it into the saltwater in the new zephyrus saltwater series okay yeah that, that's uh yeah i've never i don't think i've ever fished a one piece and the eight foot ten and the, and the whole kind of travel friendly is real nice because i know that's like the biggest headache of everybody yeah you know you people that that, that have never done it are like hey man how do you how do you fly with rods? Well, I mean, you get a rod case. Yep. But, you, you know, you get a one piece like that, and it's like, well, how, how do you fly with that? You know? Well, and, and, and guys are finding now as they travel to Mexico, um, the regulations have even changed there where you can't carry on a four-piece rod. It has to be checked. So if you're checking your, your rod and your luggage anyways now, um, a one-piece is going to cost you the same as, as a four-piece, other than the four-piece you could put in your suitcase in a lot of cases. Mm. Um, but... The one-piece rod being eight foot ten, I mean, you can put it in a little Honda, you know, Accord, or you can put it in your truck, or yeah. you know, if you really want to look cool, then you have a rod vault on top of your truck or car, oh, yeah. and of course, an eight foot ten single-piece trout or a saltwater rod is going to fit in there without a problem. But uh, single-piece has a lot of benefits. Um, modern rods, you know, your ferrule connections, your sections where they connect. Um, in modern rods are less and less dampening, less and less feel that that's there. Where oh, yeah. in old rods, you could tell exactly where the ferrule was. You could feel the, the dampening or the deadening, deadening of the, the flex of the rod. So with a single piece, it's a true full flex rod from butt to tip. And, uh, and then it also cuts the weight by about 15 to 20% over a four-piece rod. So oh, yeah. being, being a little bit shorter and then not having any ferrules or any sleeves, it... Uh, yeah, it lightens up the game, so it's it's you know been heralded as the most comfortable rod to fish, also because of that. Huh, that's nice. Yeah, like I mean, like you were saying, the newer rods you can't feel. You know, when you've got your four piece together, you can't feel. If it loosens up, you can't feel. No, and that that's exactly that's how I broke my seven. Is it loosened up? We were night fishing, and I came up, came forward on a haul, and just snapped it. Yeah, yeah. And I I had no clue that it was even loose. No, no, and that's you know again that's one of those disadvantages to a four piece rod. But the overall advantage to a four piece rod is it's compact, it's yeah. portable. You can travel with it. You can break it down, and and uh, so there's there's trade offs in either situation, but. Um, great rods, phenomenal reviews, and uh, right now continuing forward just in the saltwater series in the one piece. Okay. But that being said, they're in great line weight sizes and sevens and eights for streamers. So if someone wants a, a bomber lightweight streamer rod to chuck big bugs, that's a great way to go. Nice. So do you have, did you guys bring any one piece? Yeah, yeah. So we've got a full assortment, um, seven through 12 in single piece rods here in the Zephyrus saltwater series. We'll have them in the booth. Um, that's the other great thing about this particular show. This is a great place to cast rods. All the manufacturers are here. They've got all their their newest and latest and greatest new rods. And there's multiple casting ponds and areas to cast. So if you're you know, not too embarrassed to stand out in, on the casting pond with 10 other people and cast a rod, it's a great place to do it. They also have an area in the back of the show that's behind curtains where they do some casting classes but you're also welcome to go back there and not necessarily be right in the limelight of the show and, and cast those rods too so great opportunity probably the best opportunity someone looking for a fly rod will have to cast all the brands and all the models and really figure out what it is they need yeah because i mean it's like a candy store out there yeah i mean you guys have a ton yeah. so i mean when i know when we show when i show up 
I think we're coming with the family on Saturday. So I'm I'm going to be sure to go over there and get one of the fan glass ones and throw that thing. Yeah. Because you guys got a casting pond right next to you. Yeah, yeah. We're right on the casting <laughs> pond. We're actually the first aisle to the left as you come in the entrance. So um, come check us out. Come see what we have to uh, what we have to show. We'll have Hardy, Hodgman, Fluger, Fenwick, all there on show, and uh, we'll have our uh, our shirts pressed and our ties tied, and uh, we might have our hair combed. Otherwise, we'll be wearing a ball cap. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with ball caps. No. So, I know one thing you and I got into. You wanna you wanna talk about the five weight shootout a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So the five weight shootout, it's a it's a great tool. Um, it takes a lot of guesswork or maybe even helps to narrow down a, a consumer's choice of, of what they want in a five-weight rod. Um, Yellowstone Angler has done the report for, for quite a number of years. Other shops have also um, had their versions and stepped up with some great reports. And it's, it's a, nice, a nice example of, of how to take kind of the learning curve out of selecting a fly rod. They, they go very in-depth. They, they look at swing weight. They look at construction. They look at warranty. They yeah. look at overall cost to the consumer and a lot of different things. And then, they, of course, they go through a myriad of casts and fishing situations with each of the rods to see how they compare and see how they perform. One of the things they do is they'll take a rod and they'll cast it with a streamer. They'll cast it with a nymph rig. They'll cast it with dry flies, and they'll try it at different distances and see how that rod performs key thing that they do and that I recommended earlier when you're selecting a fly rod is they pair those rods up with the exact same reels and the exact same fly line. So in some cases a rod may load better or fish better with a heavier line, a line that's a line weight and a half, you know, it's a little bit heavier front taper where others definitely perform with just a standard, you know, five weight line. Yeah. And so to cut the curve out of that, they just stick with the same line, the same reel, so that the balance, the cast, the flex of the rod is is the same opportunity for all rods. So there is a little bit of subjective aspect to that, that if you're a person who likes to overload the rod with a heavier line, or you're someone that likes to fish a double tapered line, um, it may not give you quite all the answers that you're looking for to just rely on that five-weight shootout. Right. But... Uh, but yeah, we've had we've had great success with it um, over the last five years or so. We've had uh, you know top three and top five finishes on all of our series of rods um, that we've entered into it. Um, even with the Fenwick series, you know our our second tier in price point is the uh, the Fenwick Atos, and the Atos has uh, has come in in the top five and also has won the award for the best value rod. So in that sub $200 category, you have a five weight that performs as good as the top five or 10 rods, um, but it's super affordable for the consumers to go out. So as a first rod or as a backup rod or a boat rod, if you're a guide, it's probably one of the better ones out there you can get. Yeah. And I mean, that's saying a lot. If it's, I mean, if it's right in that top 10, it's $200 rod, that's saying a ton about it. Yeah. And so we're proud of that. We're proud of, of where we finished. We're proud of... Um, the rods and, and the way they're finished and, and how nice they look. So fit and finish is important to us. We want the rods to look nice, perform well, and then durability is a key point for us also. Um, that being said, fly rods break. Fly rods fail at one point or another in their life. And where we do also get very high marks is in our warranty process and customer service. So we're very proud of that. And uh, 
yeah, so we've had some great great rods in the shootout, and uh, if you if you want to look back, I think you can look back to the 2000 and I think it's 2012. I think is really where. The, the, the shootout kind of got real prolific and really got publicized and talked about a lot. So yeah, I think so. And it's just it's getting bigger and bigger every year, which is like you said, it, it's great if you're looking for a five weight. Yep. Or even if you're looking for a representative sample of, hey, I want to fish a medium fast. You can go in and you can look at medium fast and you can see, you know, how it handles at twenty feet, thirty feet. 50, 70, or whatever. Yep. I think it goes up to 70 on there. Yep, yep. And, and the boys there at, at, at Yellowstone Angler, they do a nice job of also kind of categorizing the, the casting style or the, the flex index of those rods. So yeah. like you said, you know, slow, fast, medium fast, uh, extra fast. They, they, they show all of that on their shootout. So it's a neat thing to, to check out online at their website and, uh, and even catching some of the, the magazines out there. Yeah. Yeah, no. There's um, there's a lot of good info to come out of that. So take it take it with a grain of salt, but it's it's a good good place to look at five weights. Yeah, it's not a bad place to start. And uh, you know, again, you can shop with Yellowstone Angler. You can shop at your local shop. Um, but uh, you know, key aspect also is you know finding a rod that you like, regardless of of somebody else's impression of it, because your your cast or your angling needs could be very different. Yep. So here's here's one thing I did wanna did wanna talk about that I I know you're involved in is the Warriors of Field. Yeah, so I uh, I had the, the privilege um, going back now eight years to get involved with a group of wounded combat veterans and take them out into the outdoors and teach them to fly fish and bird hunt and uh, go out and do some ATV razor rides things like that. And uh, we did that the first year kind of informally. At that point, uh, we knew that there were some great successes that had come out of the program and come out of the event that we held. And so we chose at that point um, to turn around and make it a, a formal nonprofit. Um, and so we're 100% nonprofit. We have zero paid staff. Our board of directors are all volunteer. And all donations that we receive, whether it be product in kind or cash donations from the public, um, or even from some private companies, it all goes back to the program. It all goes back to the veterans that we take out. And uh, we're fortunate that we've run about 200 uh, injured combat veterans through our program. We focus on the Rocky Mountain West, so Utah, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming is our primary focus, although we have done a couple of events in the south and southeast. Um, but each, each location you know, offers up a different opportunity and uh, we're able to bring these veterans in from each of these local states to these venues and, uh, and some out-of-state venues, depending on the veteran, and uh, just get them outside and get them outdoors. And uh, most importantly, we focus on the fly fishing side because those of you that fly fish know that when you're doing it, you don't think about much else. So your focus is, is not on what's going on and you know, what bills you have to pay or, or you know, your average ordinary problems that everybody faces. In the case of a, of a wounded combat veteran, somebody who's been through some pretty traumatic and, and life-changing experiences, whether they're feeling you know pain from an amputation or shrapnel wounds or what have you, they actually forget completely about it. And we've had instances where we've had guys out on the water and they were so focused on what they were doing and what they were trying to learn and catching that fish, which is the ultimate goal for them, 
Um, they've forgotten to take medication. They've forgot. <laughs> they've, you know, we had we had one guy that you know was a, a double amputee below the below the uh, the hips. He was in a wheelchair, and he got to a point where he had forgotten that he was in a wheelchair. You know, <laughs> he he tried to stand up because he wanted to cast further, and it was just, right. you know it was kind of those cool little situations, but. Um, we're fortunate to be involved with that, and I'm I'm one of the co-founders and, and helped to start the thing. And uh, you know, technically the title would be managing director, but um, we're fortunate to have great companies in the outdoors and in the fly fishing world that help to support us and, and donate product. And give a big shout out to Patagonia, of course, uh, Fenwick and Fluger and Hardy and Hodgman have stepped up. Um, folks over at Browning, um, Sitka are just a few of those that have really uh, stepped up and, and given us a big help and a big hand, whether through product or even through financial support. And uh, so the biggest reason to, to bring this to the public's knowledge is, hey, support those companies that support people and groups like us, but also if you know of a combat veteran out there, it doesn't have to be a Purple Heart recipient, although that's one of the focuses that we, we try to take preference on. But if you have a combat veteran in your family or if you're one yourself and you need a chance to get away from things and get out and explore and enjoy the outdoors, um, jump on the website, warriorsoffield.org, and uh, shoot us a contact. Or you can reach out to me at, at uh, jmalovich at warriorsoffield.org and shoot me an email. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have your friend, your family member, whoever it may be, and uh, we'll try to coordinate with them for the next event that we may have in the area. No, that's awesome, man. Getting them out and just getting their mind on something else. Because, I mean, yeah. that's that's one of the biggest, I think, uh, downfalls of whenever it was when they get back and, they, you know, they're off duty. They can't ever get out of that mindset and they can't ever, you know, that's why I have so many issues is the PTSD is just crazy for these guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the PTSD is a big part of it, the physical ailment, the, the doubt of their ability to actually get out and do this. I mean, this yeah. is the neat thing is, you know, we've we've had – young men come through the program that had been sitting on their couch for three years literally wearing a hole in their couch because they don't go to the shopping mall they don't go to you know the the club stores they don't go out because loud noises or the idea of an ambush point or whatever oh yeah they they just don't want to do it and so we've had some of these guys come out with us that uh hadn't been out of their homes really for for years and at the end of the event we've turned them into you know complete fly fishing monsters and uh We've That's had guys, awesome. guys that have gone home. I'll tell you a little story about one of them. He, he went home from our event. He uh, loaded up his kids in a truck. He drove out to Yellowstone um, just shortly after the park opened, totally unprepared for the situation, the elements. They slept in the back of a truck and on cots on the ground uh, through snowstorms, practically freezing to, freezing to death because this guy wanted his kids to have a chance to fly fish in Yellowstone. The, the, the funny part of the story is is that Fishing wasn't opened in Yellowstone at the time, and where they were fishing was a, uh, a, a protected cutthroat spawning ground. They proceeded to catch a bunch of cutthroat trout. They absolutely were just killing it and crushing it, of course, because the fish were spawning and oh, there yeah. was nobody fishing. But they not only did they catch these fish, but then they kept them over the course of the three days they were there and ate them. Oh. So when, when he came back and told me this story about how they almost froze, they almost got eaten by bears, and... <laughs> And then they caught these fish and ate them. I told him, proceeded to tell him that, one, fishing was closed, two, that was off limits, <laughs> and three, you were supposed to release those fish anyways. Um, I, told the, I told the guy, if there's anybody that's 
that deserves to go and catch fish illegally and eat them, it's you. Yeah. The service, the sacrifice that you put forth for our nation. So kind of a cool little story. But, yeah, we've, we've had a chance to, to change a lot of lives, affect a lot of others. And uh, we know at this point that there's been about a dozen of these guys that uh, we stopped from eating a bullet. So we changed their lives enough to where they want Good. to continue to live it. So Good. That's all that matters, man. If you can save one, I mean, you're doing doing better than 99.9% of everybody else out there. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're privileged to have the opportunity to be in the outdoor industry and to have those connections. Um, and then along with that, we've got on our board, we've got uh, two and three-star generals retired that, uh, you know, helped to, to continue to bring that military family connection. And the thing that sets us apart from, from all others, there's a lot of great charities out there that work with veterans. Um, our secret sauce, what makes us different, besides the fact that we are 100% nonprofit with no paid staff, is that every single young combat veteran that comes through our program is paired up with a combat veteran mentor. Okay. So you have like-minded individuals that have seen similar instances, whether it's a Vietnam era vet, uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield uh, veteran, or an OEF, OIF veteran out of Afghanistan or Iraq, these guys are, are spending three days, 72 hours, with someone the entire time. They're fishing buddy slash hunting buddy slash passenger in, a, in one of the razors that has been through what they've been through. They've gone through the combat, the injury, they've come home, they've dealt with the family issues, right. the, you know, social issues, and have come out the other side. And so there's no other group out there that does what we do in that format and puts those individuals together to build those lifelong bonds and to continue on that, uh, that heritage and that responsibility of passing that on, that legacy, as we call the foundation, obviously Warriors of Field Legacy Foundation, but passing on that legacy from generation of soldier to soldier. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure having those like experiences, <coughs> those guys just hit it off and Yeah, absolutely. Off. I mean, I, I, I got involved because my father's a, a double Purple Heart recipient from Vietnam. Um, he was a Marine and uh, is my hero, and so I do it kind of to give back to him. But I'm not a veteran, and so as much experience as I have dealing with them and dealing with their issues and injuries, I'm still not the right guy to be their mentor. Right. Someone who's been through what they've been through is. And so some of the programs out there that, like I said, they all do a lot of good, but some of those programs, you know, put this veteran in a boat or out in the field with Bobby Banker or Harriet Housewife who has no clue what these guys are feeling, thinking, or going through. And so while they still get to have a good activity, they don't have that person necessarily to connect with or talk to on those relatable experiences. Yeah. And you guys, are, you're based out of Utah, correct? Yeah, we are. We're based out of the Salt Lake City, Utah area. But like I said, our primary focus is the western United States, the Rockies especially. Um, but again, if somebody hears this outside of the Rocky Mountains and they know or they are a, a veteran that's, that's gone through this combat situation and they need a chance to get out and clear their mind and recreate, they'd like to learn to fish, they'd like to learn to hunt, um, it's a great opportunity. Please reach out to us because, um, you know, regardless of where you are in the country, we'll make sure that you can come out and have a good time. Yeah, let I me mean, and you know, like you said, learning learning to fish and, and hunt those are those are two things that absolutely take your mind away from everything in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah, especially fishing. I mean, hunting you can still kind of tune in what you want, but fishing you're just 
I mean, you're on the water, and that's all you're seeing. You're, you're seeing and thinking water, and you're worrying about strikes, and you're worrying about hydraulics and currents, and you're not even thinking about anything yeah, else. Yeah, you're, you're thinking about that fish and what he's doing, where he's at, or why haven't I caught one, changing out your fly. So there's just so many things in fly fishing that, you know, lend itself to a therapeutic aspect. And, uh, again, it's just a total release, and that's why most of us do it. I mean, yep. some of us do it for competitive or, you know, to catch the next biggest fish or... You know, I, mean, I think we all go through phases in our, our angling careers, if you will. Yeah. And in, and in living the, the, the fly fishing lifestyle, I guess, is, yeah. as some people call it. But um, this is just a, a great opportunity. It's a very therapeutic opportunity and event. And uh, like I said, pairing up those mentors with those young protégés is, is, is perfect. And it really lends itself to, again, passing on that legacy. So we're proud to do it. Nice. So I know you and I talked a little bit uh, before we started recording, so I'm just going to roll this right into the Warriors of Field and Fishing. When you take them out fishing, you uh, you let them bobber fish? Yeah, well. Or you, you kind of dabble so, in everything? Yeah, Steve, so Steve, Steve and I talked a little bit about my, my uh, love of indicator fishing, um, fishing with a bobber. And generally, I equate bobber fishing to using one of my parent company's other brands, which is Powerbait. Um, so if you're dunking a worm or you're dunking a power bait, um, you know, then go ahead and use a bobber. But if you're fishing flies, um, I, I give guys, guys and gals a hard time about it. But, you know, sometimes it takes, it takes that technique to get it done. And, and if you're trying to accomplish catching a fish and you're not doing it any other way, it really is a great way to, uh, to be able to, to control drifts and understand what's going on below the top of the water. And, uh, Everybody had to start riding a bike with training wheels, and so if you got to use training wheels and use a bobber, you know, go for it. But in the case of these guys and, and the events that we do, um, we teach them a few different techniques because we want them to be able to leave our event and have the ability to walk right onto a piece of water and start to fish. And so the neat thing through our sponsors and through our donations is we send them out the door with waders and boots and chest packs and rods and reels and flies and fly boxes and tools and yeah. so we really do send them out the out the door if you will from our events with that ability and we have had guys that have gone directly from our event and stopped on the next river on their way home and tried to catch fish so it's been pretty cool nice. but uh yeah we'll teach them to we'll teach them to indicator fish we'll teach them to throw dry flies we'll teach them to throw streamers and depending on the, the location of the event some are still water Situations and others are float trips for three days. Okay. And uh, in that period of time, they, they do learn quite a few different techniques. But uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the more you can, I guess the more you can cram into your timeline, the, you know, the more tools you're giving them to go out and succeed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think most anglers, like I talked about, they have their evolutionary stages of how they like to fish or why they fish. And I think indicator fishing is, again, a good way to start to understand certain dynamics on the stream or on the lake even. Um, but then there comes a point where you do have to take those training wheels off and start to hone in some other skills. Um, yeah. You know, start to understand the currents in a river. It's not just what you see on top. Oh, no. And, and so um, learning to, to create a drag-free drift, learning to react to movement of the line or the leader or the indicator, it's all part of the learning process of fly fishing so um, I just I encourage folks if you're fishing an indicator and that's generally how you fish take the next step pull the indicator off 
start doing some straight line nymphing or some tight line nymphing. Yep. Um, even move into a hopper dropper situation where at least you're presenting a secondary bug on the top of the water yeah. that could possibly get eaten even if there's not big bugs around. But uh, yeah, I think this sport, like any sport, is, is evolutionary. If you're getting into basketball, you're not always going to do layups. You're yeah. not always going to do jump shots. You're, you got to have something more in your bag of tricks because in each each angling situation on every piece of water may not be the same. And, and indicator fishing, you could sit there and just beat the water to death and fish are rising all around you. Oh, yeah. You're not going to catch the fish that are feeding. Same thing with streamers. You know, moving that, that bug underneath, making the fish come to it, getting enticing a bite or reaction. You know, you can't do that with an indicator. So, um, yeah, so I'd encourage listeners out there, the folks that are following the blog and the podcast and stuff, break away from those training wheels and, uh, you know, get on some rougher terrain or get on some, some different styles of fishing and, uh, you know, yep. get out and have fun. But that's ultimately, if indicator is what gets you on the water, then keep indicator fishing. Yeah. No, I agree. So that brings me to my next question. Have you seen the modern nymphing movie yet? Uh, I saw trailers for it. Yep, yep. Some of those, uh, some of those guys are, are good buddies of mine, and they are super accomplished anglers. Um, the world of competitive angling, fly angling, is is very centered around the nymphing side of things. Although there's guys that will swing soft tackles, some guys that will fish streamers, and uh, depending on the situation, even fish dry flies in those competitive settings. But um, really great. I mean, from what I saw from the trailer, it looks really good. And uh, there's some really good blogs and some really good uh, information on the web on those guys and their techniques. So it's, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, I watched that the other night. It's, it's, pre- it's pretty eye-opening to what you're really missing if you're just strictly indicators. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, I mean, there's one shot in there where they've got the, they've got the stick and the tape on it throughout the water column. And it's... Yeah. it's I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, is there's so much information out there about, you know, ultraviolet colors and light underwater. Um, oh, yeah. Again, the currents and how they react, different columns of the water. Um, and, and this nymphing movie that's come out is, uh, is just another piece of information that if you glean the good stuff from it and uh, you figure out what works for you, it'll make you a better angler. And that's oh, yeah. the key. I mean, there's guys in Colorado... You know, Rob Kalanda over at Front Range Anglers is a, is a buddy, and he's a phenomenal angler. Um, but if you want to learn a little bit about that tight lining and European-style nymphing, he's a great resource. Um, you've got Devin Ence. You've got Lance Egan. Um, you've got Mike Sexton. And then another good buddy of mine, Doug Ouellette out of Nevada. Phenomenal guys, all great anglers. They all can fish and outfish most people in any manner or format. But uh, they are masters of that craft, and so uh, yeah, definitely take a look at that movie as it comes out. It's pretty good, man. It's it's very eye opening. So let's uh, here's one here's one little. It's not really a game that we play, but it's a segment we have on the podcast every week. If you can fish with three people, dead or alive, historical figures, who are they going to be? First and foremost, would fish with my grandfather. He was, uh, he's kind of responsible for my foray into fly fishing. Uh, the tradition with him was every grandson in the family, at the age of eight, he would take to his favorite place, 
teach the fly fish, give them a rod and a reel. He passed away uh, two months prior to my eighth birthday, so I, as the youngest grandson, never got a chance to go out and learn from him. But because of that, it became my focus in life, more than girls or money or anything else, was to learn to fly fish like Grandpa did and to <clears throat> pursue that, 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 that hobby, that, that lifestyle, that interest because of him. Yeah. And he left me an old hardy bamboo rod and an old hardy princess fly reel, um, which was not the test. I would not recommend leaving that to eight-year-olds to fish with. But um, that's what I had. That's what I started with. And so I was able to flash forward 30 years and now be the sales manager for the West of the company and uh, be back at my fly fishing roots with Hardy. So he'd be the first and foremost that I'd want to fish with. Um, you know, honestly, um, you know, skews would be a cool one to, to fish with and watch his style of soft tackles and, and nymph manipulation. Right. Um, that'd be a neat thing. Um, most of the, the modern legends or folks that are um, fairly well known in the sport I fished with and their their friends or, or colleagues of mine um, and then I look forward to I have a five year old son so that would be my third there you go and uh, being able to fly fish with him and pass on what I have in my history and, and in our uh, heritage so those would be the three nice no that's good man I like it's I like to see just where people kind of go with this you know some people go family. Some people go. I gave you. Opposite. I gave you a little bit of both. I gave you a couple of dead, a couple of historical, and then a future, a future fly oh, yeah. fisherman. So no, nah, that's the way <clears> to do it. That is the way to do it for sure. Well, I think that's all I've got, man. Get out to the show, people. Yeah, come out and see us. Come out and see everything that's going on here. Um, <clears throat> it is a great, absolute great venue. If you've got uh, scouts, scouting age kids, have them wear their uniform. They get in free, so that's a that's a plus. There's going to be an awesome women's showcase going on every day here at the show. Some awesome presenters, um, very knowledgeable, very accomplished anglers, ladies who are just getting into it and they've discovered certain things to shorten the curve. Others that have been doing it for a long time. So if you've got a a daughter, wife, girlfriend, mother grandmother and uh, they're looking for their next pursuit or uh, you want to get them involved this is a good format to do that there's kids classes there's destination classes you ever wanted to fish uh, Bikini Atoll or Cuba um, Patagonia Montana or Wyoming this is the place to come learn figure out how to do it make contacts and friends uh, pick up some free fly fishing stickers or hats there's a lot of that going around. So yeah. if you don't have enough hats in your collection, come down here and pick up a few of those. Yeah, I think I've got way too many. <laughs> so, but uh, but Steve's wearing he's wearing one of the better hats that I've oh, seen yeah. here so far. It's a Cubs hat, and uh, so I've been a lifelong Cubs fan since I was a little boy. And it's been a brutal existence, so hasn't it? 2016, the hundredth year of Wrigley Field, and they won the World Series on top of it so pretty cool thing for last year and see yeah. if we can't repeat it in 17 oh man go cubbies go cubbies yeah it's been a it's been a tough life <laughs> <laughs> i remember way back when we were when we were up 3-0 on the marlins and i'm like yes i'm going to chicago 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Those, it's, those plans got shot down. I'll quick. tell you. I'll tell you what. Cubs fans are better fly fishermen too. Oh yeah. So, the listeners out there, if you want to comment and tell me I'm wrong, go ahead and do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, if you're a glutton for punishment, fly fishing is definitely the activity for you. Yeah. So it can, but it can be very rewarding as being a, a lifelong Cubs fan can do also. So no, it was a, it was a great year for great year for fly fishing and a great year for the Cubs and. Looking forward to 2017 and all the new products and the, the new destinations and opportunities to, to get out on the stream side and catch some fish. Yeah. So one one final quick question I just thought of. Do, going into 2017, do you see the fly fishing industry kind of kind of not staying retro-focused but kind of still bringing some of that stuff back in? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in – uh, in regards to, to where 2017 is going to be for the fly fishing world, I, I think that a good buddy Cameron Mortensen over at Fiberglass Manifesto will continue mm-hmm. to, to rock it out with the, the retro glass movement and the, uh, the click paw classic reel side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our saying over at Hardy is if it doesn't, you know, if it ain't got the click, it, it isn't sick. So, I mean, you know, we love click paw reels. It's our heritage. It's our history. We've got a lot of modern stuff. But from what I saw at the show in the introduction of new products, there's, there's a lot of innovation out there. There's a lot of great new rods um, that have come out. So from that standpoint, um, I think innovation is probably more of what 2017 is going to be about. But the classic you know, fiberglass, slower action rods, click and pawl reels, they're timeless. And so I think they'll continue forward. Um, but I think 17, based on what my, my counterparts from other companies have shown and what they've got here at the show, is they're looking at new technologies, new materials, uh, lighter, faster, even more affordable now. We're seeing a lot more companies really bring the, the low-end fly rod up as far as looks, feel, mm-hmm. performance, and, and, and the cost is still maintaining a low, a low price tag. So... Innovation, I think, is what 17 is about. I think that, um, yeah, I think, I think that's the case. But, again, it's, it's a matter of flavor. So if you like skinny jeans, if you have a beard but you don't cut lumber, you might like the fiberglass side of things a little bit more. Right. It's, it's kind of more cool and kitschy in that particular lifestyle. Um, if you're a, a tech guy and your time is short and you want the best performance and the best experience and everything's fast and quick and you know get your get, get what it is you want to get out of it yeah. you know in a short period of time we've got that stuff for you too so it'll be uh but i think 17 just restating is i think it'll be an innovation year okay all right well that's all i've got man thank you for yeah. your time yeah thanks for letting me talk your ears off and, oh yeah uh, it's always good yeah give you give you whatever information i might have yeah definitely so till next time go make some trout porn Continue to follow us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook under Trout Porn. Join the ranks to get your state noticed by searching Trout Porn World Leaderboard. I'll make you famous. <laughs> find us on Instagram at Trout Porn Nation. Our Twitter handle is at Trout Porn. Trout Porn Podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Don't forget to visit our sponsor, 
5280angler at 5280angler.com. May the force be with you. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Hasta la vista, baby. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. Mm.